Hello adventurers and welcome back to Communion the DM's Essentials Kit. My name is Alec and I'm going to be your DM for the evening. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking with my friend Jack Sherman. He's a musician, a writer, and an all-around creative person. We dive into topics like essential prep for D&D sessions, Running Frontier, a western-themed 5th edition supplement, and giving our players the ability to make the story for us. With all of that said, please sit back and enjoy this episode of Communion. My name is Alec, and I'm sitting here with a good friend of mine, Jack. Hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm so good, sir. I'm happy to be here. Uh, for transparency's sake, this is our second attempt. <laughs> <laughs> at, Round two, yes. At, at recording, I was editing the first attempt and uh, and lost the entire fucking thing. So, yes. You know, what can you do? It's been lost to the A30, yeah. It's, it's, it's gone I'm, I'm afraid that that one audio file is going to be the thing that starts Skynet and become the first <laughs> T-800. It's got, there's a lot in the future uh, for that audio, yeah. if it is ever found or recovered. If, if, if. Because, like, yeah, when I opened it, if. it was just like, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's not. It was such a good recording. Like, we talked about <laughs> such good stuff yeah. that it was never meant to be seen. So we're going to have to tone it down. This one's going to be a lot It's going to be a lot worse. It's horrible. Just managing expectations right now. If you want to, skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Commune is a podcast where I sit down with DMs that I've met in my personal life or have met through the community and just kind of back and forth talk about Dungeons and Dragons, why we play it, how we play it, and maybe how we've gotten through some challenges while playing it. Absolutely. So if you want to give a little bit of insight about yourself, how long you've been playing, what you've played, yeah. where you lie. Absolutely. So I have been playing D&D for probably, God, three-ish years now, I would say. Um, I have been a player for most of that time, and then probably a DM for half of that time. Sure. About a year and a half in was when I finally was like, well, I'm going to take a stab at this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then in types terms of versions, I've really only played 5e, and then uh, not D&D, but another tabletop role-playing game, uh, Fate. Uh, core. Yeah, which we played together yes. as players. Yeah, we are players on that same table, so that's that's fun to not have to be <laughs> God yeah. for a while. Yeah, it, it, we're, uh, we're in an interesting position in our friend group where I run a homebrew campaign mm-hmm. with Marcus in it. Mm-hmm. Marcus was on episode two of the podcast. We're both players in Marcus's game that he runs for us. Yes. And then you have run Marcus, and I believe plan to run me in the future. Yeah, yeah. We have, once uh, the current campaign with Marcus is up, then I think I will be taking over the helm for a bit, uh, returning to a Wild West campaign that we did. Um, mm. So I Please will... tell me more about this Wild West campaign that I haven't heard of before. It's pretty spicy, <laughs> and because you haven't heard of it before, I will go and do excruciating Yeah, music. I want the next no. 45 minutes of this podcast to be... <laughs> The Let's just boot up Red Dead Redemption. Um, <laughs> no, it's been boy, it's been really fun. Um, we started it uh, like I think like early this year. Um, we just wanted a break from traditional five E, yeah. um, and we found this really great uh, like PDF booklet 
Um, I'm trying just to like a what, supplement. Yeah, it was a supplement um, that basically like it invented like different stats for different humans um, in different classes. Like yeah. you could be like uh, you know a soldier, like a horseback rider, a cattleman, um, mm-hmm. a gunslinger. You know, like a hunter, trapper, all the kind of things you find out in the Wild West. Um, and you know, the West has always just been like such one of those quintessential, like set piece time periods. So I definitely knew that at some point after getting the ropes through fantasy and traditional 5e and learning the rules, I was like, I want to take this into a setting where we can get really creative with it and kind of do some historical fiction, but mostly like an invention of our own world. Well, that's, that's the fun thing too, is like taking that kind of classic American fiction and like setting and, and building fantasy into it right and like putting things that you know don't necessarily belong there yeah for sure like may, just taking i like taking the natural like extreme of things yeah, oh, so yeah. like if there's you know a wealthy oil magnate of course he's like also like the head of the bourbon business in the yeah, industry yeah, and yeah. like is just a you know huge glutton type a well fellow of horrible things right too. like just taking all those tropes that you know and just pushing them to their logical endpoint because yeah. you can and with that campaign specifically i like I have some like map making software like on my computer that yeah. I love to use, and so I kind of created this. It takes place in parts of like Arizona and California, okay. um, like post Gold Rush and Civil War time. But uh, even though it has those historical facts, like the actual places are like fictitiously named, and like a lot of the stuff takes liberties with actual true historical things. So you're you're running like a Gotham and Metropolis. Exactly like right. that, like like a Gotham Metropolis, like a Grand Theft Auto. They're in New York, but they're a different city. Right, exactly. We are not in America, I swear, yeah. but they are. Um, yeah, so it's definitely it's America, but I think that especially if people listening are are thinking about creating a homebrew scenario where they use like historical elements, um, some people really like getting like everything historically accurate like when were oil lanterns finally discontinued well we can't have those in our campaign sure but right. i'm not going to pay attention to those little things it's um, more the feel versus the, the exactly yeah. and i i like to think of it in terms of like i want train robberies i want like fights down mine shafts in like rail carts yeah. i want like a boat casino with like you know bourbon everywhere and people in you know top hats and three-piece suits I you want to like, be you want to be the good the bad the yeah, exactly like if i'm gonna go there i want to give everybody what they want from that place not well i read this history book about william mckinley and like, yeah you know, no you so. said you said that you wanted to take time to learn the 5e setting and learn the rules yes what was what was the hardest part of that experience who probably all of it no uh, <laughs> it is a no, lot it's it's a lot to absorb at first it's super daunting i think it was really helpful to come into it as a player and kind of be taught the rules um, sure but i would say probably the most difficult part um is is getting like the nitty-gritty parts of like combat mechanics down yeah. um i think people are mostly comfortable with stuff like make different skill checks and stuff like that and you can not fudge the numbers, but you decide like how high of a skill check you know means that you yeah, succeeded you at something. Yeah. So as a DM, you have so much liberty in that area, but what you don't have liberty to mess with is like, oh hey, I just gave this guy like two hundred points more health because I screwed up the encounter, or you know, if you keep doing that, sure it can happen every once in a while, but like if you do that consistently, then there's no sense of consistency at the table, sure, and then you don't look like the person in charge. Right. So yeah, that. I think that was the, the, the biggest issue I had mm-hmm. when I started because I've I've been playing like 
three or four years. Yeah. Um, but I started off straight DMing. I um, mm-hmm. stumbled on to you some... You dived right in. You, yeah, I, stumb- cool. I stumbled on to some... Um, Brave soul. Some stream D&D game, Critical Role. Yes. Um, oh, dude, I love Critical Role. Stuff like that, and was like just seeing the the narrative and the fluidity of like from narrative to combat to game mechanics that like mm-hmm. Matt Mercer was running, and I was like, I'd love to be able to offer that to my friends. Like I, yeah, being able to to give them the genuine reactions that I've seen on on their stream. Oh yeah, was like things the get goal. intense. Yeah, yeah. but Whether but then or serious. Yeah, but then the rule of cool became too important to me. Where yeah. it was like. Okay, they're level five. They need to have like plus three weapons. Yeah. They need to be able to multi-class into a class that they <laughs> can't do because their skill points don't match. Right. You shit like that where I was just like, I need to give them everything. And how did that go? Horrible. <laughs> uh, the Horrible. First, the first campaign I ran. Yeah, yeah. Started off okay. Um, was kind of like a Suicide Squad esque. Like they were. Mm-hmm. A bunch of ragtag criminals joined together for a secret organization to take over and overthrow this elven Hitler queen. Wow, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I wanted them to be, like, super into my gritty NPCs and the... This is ambitious. ...dystopian like... world that I built for them, but there was... And was this... it all homebrew? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't run a module until a, a year and a half ago. Impressive, wow. And that was Curse of Straw. But with that campaign, yeah. it was, like... I want. I just wanted like the the full idea of fantasy to be there. They can yeah. do whatever they want. So, I was dumb. <laughs> I gave them the deck of many things. Uh, yeah. Dinok, a tiefling fighter, took it, drew the wish card. Nice. Got three wishes. Nice. And it was like, I want your big bad's head to just. Boom! Fucking explode. <laughs> and with that... Well, you com- can't refute Rit Wish. No, like... no. It, well, it's like... With that concussive blast of a cranium, my campaign ended. Wow. So I was like, wow, you oh, literally went no. out with a bang. 100%. <laughs> no, no, because I was... If I would have ended it there and been like, yeah. oh, campaign's over, you guys did it. Well, yeah, that would have been so... I decided to push... To try and push forward. Yeah. Uh, time travel came in. Oh, just came man. in. It was stupid. It this was is like season, like, fun. nine of, like, a lagging series. Yes. Where, like, they're like, what do we do with the characters now? This is season eight of Game of Thrones. Yes. Why did, why did oh. that happen? Uh, because... Well, yeah, you know, time skips are pretty, like, yeah. frequent now. Uh, you know? Danny forgot about the Iron Fleet. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. Dude. So it didn't it didn't happen the way you wanted it to. Mm-mm. Yikes. Um did no. that like how did that play out in real time like during the session? Were you, was everyone surprised? Did they expect Everyone it was surprised and, and in the moment it rung as like is like a really cool like oh my god. Yeah. She's giving this like super dark and devious speech about taking over and, and, and why <laughs> her reign is tried and true. Blah! Like, you know. <laughs> and then her head just fucking annihilates and oh, I was like well that was awesome and then I like went home after the session I was like oh no yeah you're... like this existential dread just started to wash over me and I was like ah, it... ah, 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 yeah well it's like what do you do I mean you can't make another big bad evil guy like with this exact same like motive and, that, like... and that's the thing it's like that's what I tried to do in like a session and a half I was like oh here's a new big bad villain I yeah didn't, I didn't let them live in the world Gotcha. You just it became like, more of a railroad because of that. It had to be narrative, right? Yeah. That's what I that's what I thought like Critical Role was doing. That's what I thought right. D and D was at the time was like, okay, I take them from narrative point to narrative point and that's it. Yeah. Not 
they live in the world, they make the choices, they make the decisions. And you react. And they build the world from that. Right. I'm exactly like I'm the reactor. Yeah. They're they're in control. Yeah. That was for the most part. That was one of the hardest things for me to learn. That yeah. was so hard. I remember like when I was first DMing, that was mm-hmm. I thought like DM I, re- I remember we talked about this, but like the first time I ever DM'd, yeah. I literally in the first session, the players like they were coming to this fantasy island and they were on a boat yeah. and this huge dragon comes and like picks them up and like you know, they're, they're flying to the air in this boat as this dragon's, like, hurtling them toward this island, and it throws their boat at this shore, and they smash upon the shore, and I was, like, so nervous for that session that, like, there, there was, like, a jungle at the edge of the shore, and I had planned to a T, like, every pathway they could have gone. I was like, if they go straight into the jungle, this is going to be there. If they yeah. go to the right, they'll encounter, like, a camp of soldiers. If they go to the left, and, like, after the first session, I was like, this is not a video game. This is not going to work this way. Like, it just, you cannot be that, like, granular. Well, and you just don't have the time. No, that either. Nobody has the time. Yeah, it took me, like, three hours. The first time I planned it, I was like, cool, I don't think I'm going to have the time for that for the rest of my life. Sure, (laughs) sure. What, have you had issues with communication? This is something I talked to with somebody, uh, Lily, who I had recorded another episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a lot of issues with it because I took a lot of things personally. Mm-hmm. Like what type of communication? Like, be you know, because I had a friend tell me to duck out of the campaign mm-hmm. that I'm running now. Yeah. I took it personally. Ah. And I was afraid to, like, talk to that person or talk to the other players and be like, hey, are you guys still in it? You still want to be a part of it? Yeah. Like, that insecurity of being like, I don't know how to talk to these people because I don't know if I'm delivering. Right. I think, yeah, well, one of the most difficult things, like, I'm, I'm not a very confrontational person right. in my real life. Sure. sure, maybe some characters are in campaigns, <laughs> they talk a big talk, but me, no. Um, so I, I think that's one of the actually really, really difficult things about D&D to me, I think, is because you all get together to do something that is so, like, make-believe and pretend that, yeah. like, it's very hard to discern, and I've made this mistake before, it's difficult to tell what people think is is just playing and, and pretend yeah. and what actually is, like, serious and what hurts. Because you can even, like, I, I want to talk about that, you know, someone deciding to, like, come or leave the campaign, but even in-game, I've found, like, decisions are made that, like, impact somebody's character really importantly and it, and it hurts them or one player makes another player really angry inadvertently and like cool. that has happened before yeah I, I think that's like a super hard thing so i have had those problems as well how I did think. you try and remedy it um i, I will say I, I have not been the best at yeah. you know that's something that i think i have to continue to figure out how to work on um because we've had players, there was, you know, been an instance where I was a player at a table where another player left because they were unhappy with how we ran a session, um, and and other moments like that. And when I've been the DM, I, I just you got to level and just like talk to the person like one on one. I think like even if you're a super non confrontational person, like after the session goes down, you can yeah. tell something is weird, like message them or figure that out and try to get to the bottom of it. But I never, at least. I try to never take it personally, um, even if it is personal. And, that, and that's what's hard is, like, we're, we're very similar, like, personality-wise yeah. and, and how we operate with people. Absolutely. And and, and taking those things personally is, like, I'm not – because I've had so many instances in, like, the D&D realm where it's, like, 
campaigns haven't worked out. They fizzled out, and I yeah. take that personally. That's my fault. I didn't deliver on what yeah. I wanted to. Even if I love the campaign and a bulk of people at the table like the campaign, there right. were X amount of people that were just like, no, like this isn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and, and now looking back, they are completely fair and justified to have that opinion. Mm-hmm. Because I said I was going to give one thing, and I didn't. Yeah. You know, uh, a kind of Castlevania-esque gothic fantasy monster hunting campaign turned yeah. into a mid-fantasy, like, romp, you know? So right. It wasn't it like... more, like, it, sophomoric a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And more basic in in the kind of world that I was building. It's like a and, shoot and loot, kind of like... Yeah, you know, where, where it's just kind of like, it's not big iron towers and... Yeah. and Intellectuals with a broken psyche. It's, right, it's and the, political upheaval. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. the goofy dwarf, and it's the right. It, it's you get the classic like trope. And, and, and then I, you know, that's that was my fault. Yeah. But seeing that they wanted to try, and that's when I started running Curses Drop. Okay, yeah. And because uh, I'm like, okay, this is a module. Mm-hmm. I can I can do what I can, but then I hated running a module. Yeah, I couldn't stand I, it. I'm not it, a module fan. It just fan. felt like such a damper on my creativity. Right. That like I tried to implement my own homebrew stuff in Curse of Strahd, but even then, to me, mm-hmm. I fizzled out the campaign because I fucked with what was you were tired of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I exactly. I completely agree, and I think like especially in the realm of like running modules to me because yeah. I like to write fiction in my free time. Um, I was and, gonna say you you write fiction. Yeah, and so at least to me, what a module feels like is it, it to me it's like writing fan fiction. You know, like and I'm beyond the point now. Well, of like I'm sitting in that. front of a kindergarten class with the book during reading. Yeah, day exactly during and reading. Telling time. them the story. Yeah, and it's like I I want them to live it. You yes. know, because it's like we're in the instance where. You know, our friend Marcus mm-hmm. has run Curse of Strahd. So if I were to put him in a Curse of Strahd campaign that I'm running, mm-hmm. I'm afraid that, like, the knowledge... Because no matter yeah, what you could we game do, the anybody so metagames. Yeah. We can't help right, it. Right. Um, we can try and, and halt it and, 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 and not... Pretend our characters don't know, but it does damage your immersion <sighs> right. when you have that, like, knowledge. Component. And that's why I love Homebrew so much. Because, like, I, yeah. I implant this world. And I take a lot of things from Forgotten Realms yeah. and mix it. Yeah, right. you were telling me about this. Yeah. Um, you you were working on some like alternate kind of histories of races. Yeah, so like the big the biggest example from my campaign is like the Drow, right? Mm-hmm. So they they're living on the surface, or there mm-hmm. is a sect of Drow that live on the surface that seemingly worship Lolf, but they have not heard from her in like three hundred years. Yeah, and it's weird because they are you know their paladins have powers, their clerics are able to heal people. They, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. And it seems that they're running the tenants of Lolf, kind of. Yeah, it's like uh, not strict forgotten realms yeah, lore. Yeah, right. But, yeah, but yeah. then the players find out over time that like, okay, they're not hearing from Lolf. We need to go to the Underdark to explore it. Yeah. They go there. They see another sect of Drow, a more savage, a more easily identifiable forgotten realms Drow. Yeah. It's like, okay, they're cool. They live in the Underdark. They worship Lolf. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, That's oh, the Drow fuck. I want to be. Well, it's just like. <laughs> Okay, this is what I expected up there, but mm-hmm. now now why is there that disconnect? And right, it, and it created this sense of intrigue for them to be like, okay, we need to talk to Wolf, and figure out why the fuck she abandoned those boys upstairs. Right, right, right. And they speak to her, and she's just like, I want nothing to do with them. They're not my children. They've oh, abandoned wow. me. Fuck them. Wow. And they're just like, ah, yeah, that's like a complete reversal from what you would standardly think about. But then now, yeah. but then now is bred the other mystery of who is giving them their power. Yeah. Is it Asmodeus that this deity that they 
have found out over time and in investigation that Lolt and Asmodeus have this kind of alliance that's weird. But right. if they have an alliance, they're working against the drow that are on the surface. Yeah. We got to figure that shit out. Yeah. And it, I mean, as a player, a player who's not at that table, like I already had questions too. I mean, my initial question would be where did that split happen and, yeah. and why did that split happen and, you know, who who led them above ground to make... You know, like, I have so many more questions because and, of that. But, and that's that's why I like putting in lore that I know about mm-hmm. that I want the players to take the time to try and discover. I'm not... Yeah. I don't want to just be like, boom. Yeah, you, you don't want to force feed everything. them. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, they're, well, who's, who's this and why are they doing this? Right. And then that kind of opens up the door to, like, an organization that they didn't plan on seeing before, and they're like, "Oh shit! Okay, well, we got to dive deeper into this, or we got to get away from that." And mm-hmm. it, it just it, it takes it makes the game less basic and milk toast, and, and gives you a, a, a genuinely interesting narrative that to, to like one and see your players pick at. Yeah, and I think like that's honestly that's a really good like tip for people DMing who they want like a familiar background to, to work from but yeah. also have ideas of their own but they don't necessarily have to run a module. Sure. You can take a lot of the lore that's already been there for the past, you know, 50 years and just turn it on its head in ways that your players are not going to expect. Sure. Um, yeah. I just think that's a cool thing. That's, that's cool that you're doing that. Well, and a question for you is like you come from a more creative both musically and written background. Yeah. What kind of literary or influential musicians have given you tools to push narrative into your D&D Ooh, campaign? That is a really good question. Sean Evans, I'm coming um, for that. Oh, ass. man, you're coming. <laughs> Hot ones. Hotter wings and hotter questions. questions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I think... Because uh, I think we all have influences, Absolutely. Right? And, and, and those influences, whether subconsciously or consciously really inject themselves in the things we put out. Yeah, I would say right now, um, this is going to be a plug for, he's pretty much one of my my favorite current authors right now. Um, And he's a really, really cool guy. I just read his book. And to anyone listening, if you are fantasy or sci-fi readers looking for like some really good, like literary fantasy, um, I would look into, his name is Robert V.S. Reddick. um, And his most recent book, is the start of a trilogy, I believe. It's and it's called Master Assassins. Okay. Um, what I love about it, it, it is a classic like, uh, you know, it's it's a two tale of two brothers traveling sure. across um, this this continent in the middle of a huge continent wide war that has yeah. been started over a bunch of different religions that people can't agree upon. Um, there's a ton of mystery. There's a ton of intrigue. Sure. There's a lot of family history that they kind of have to dig up as they move through. And become fugitives in this war, um, but what has really been inspiring me uh, lately from that book specifically is just the, I guess the idea that uh, these things like like D and D yes is is a game and we are using like fake and fictional settings, but you can use those tropes that you've already built up in your head to create very compelling stories and characters. Yeah. Um, I think. Sometimes, especially in the beginning, I would move toward the easiest idea of a character, like like a trope, like you have the, the gruff dwarf or the snooty yeah. elf or whatever you want to put in place of that. But this book and a lot of others in its genre um, are really inspiring me in a lot of ways to look past like some the of those. Surface, yeah. Exactly. Um, and at least to be more 
and, and this may not be what people want at the table. Again, that's a communication thing that you have to discuss with people. But if they're looking for a more intellectual type adventure where you want to get into the gray area of yeah. what it means to live in a world with a bunch of different races and a bunch of different religions, then I think reading some uh, like fantasy type stuff like that can really inform a campaign. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, as for music, I mean, I have a bunch of favorite like... I like rock, I like punk, I like, yeah. like, that's what I listen to in my car, yeah. but when it comes to, like, writing or, like, other types of stuff like that, dude, I have so many, like, playlists of, like, you know, like, The Witcher, like, 3, like, soundtrack, or, like, Skyrim music, yep. or if we're running the Western one, I will pull straight from the Red Dead, like, uh, soundtracks and things like that, because nothing, in my opinion, makes a campaign and a, better than just, like, well-timed music for the right environment or place and even if it's so unplanned like i'll, I'll put on music for a moment and mm-hmm. then like they'll talk and have their things going on and yeah. then like a, a, a cue will kick in like yeah uptick in the tempo and they're just like whoa yeah like, everybody notices, notices it. it yeah they notice it and i'm just like that's just <laughs> you know, like, that well, me. Yeah. but you can pass it off as you but it's like, like wow. it's just it it elevates those moments mm-hmm when you're you're sitting there and like a character, uh, this is this isn't my main campaign. I yeah. I'm running a, a an offshoot with uh, my friend Kyle, mm-hmm. his wife, and my mm-hmm. girlfriend. Nice. Just to kind of introduce them to D and D because you know there are <laughs> are significant others who judge us for our nerdy habits. <laughs> there are and, many. Uh, They're we, wrong. But we they had, have we fun. had we had finally talked them into like actually sitting down and running some games. Yeah. We just did session three and my friend Kyle's character died. Surprisingly Ooh. emotional for them. Really? Like his wife was crying. No way. My girlfriend was like, "Oh my god!" And then I put the music on, and they're like, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "This is like, like when the violins hit at the end of yeah, Titanic. Yeah. yeah, like everything is coming down. Right. You're right. And, and, and it's just like, I think that was the moment where it's just like D and D is is more than a game. Yeah, you're you're growing with your own book protagonist, exactly. right? Like you're you're building a story for that character, and it sucks when you don't get to see it go to fruition through tragedy. Right, right. No matter how, and and, and they're low level characters; they're level three. Yeah. So they wanted to go and and try and tame some giant elk, mm-hmm. which are surprisingly beefy for level <laughs> two challenge ratings. And he got like hooved in the head, oh, and no. it just dropped him below. He failed all of his death saves. Your first is always the hardest. <laughs> and 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 they were just like, oh my god! They brought him to a temple. They tried to appease with him to bring him back. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, you know, because he was a cleric of the Wild Mother. Yeah. So, and and I'm like, yeah, you're sitting there and you feel this this cool yet calming breeze. You feel at mm. home here. Because mm-hmm. I want to. I don't want death in D and D to be this just thing that happens and then it's solved. Yeah, exactly. Well, there, I want it that to would be, make it meaningless. I want it to be tempting. Yeah. So, like, I'm talking to to this Triton cleric and being like, "You feel like you're at home in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like you're comfortable. You 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 know you're digging out the chinks in your armor for one last journey home." <laughs> and they can't talk him out of it. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's just the way it goes." Sometimes, right, right. Well, know? and that's what makes those emotional moments. I mean, the fact that oh, they. Yeah. they I, was, that means I was sitting there and I was like, oh. yeah, like, yeah, you're sad, but you're also like, I'm a fucking good DM, dude. Because <laughs> you get them invested, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and having them ask, are we playing? Are we going to play this week? And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. Getting <laughs> like, right, you're yeah. like, I got you. Yeah. yeah. But, um, 
what are what are some things that you think are are essential to running a successful session of a campaign? Ooh, a successful like breaking down an individual session? Yeah, I mean, like let's say let's put it in the instance of you're 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 kicking off a big arc. Okay. Your your essential thing, your essential top five things into making sure that first foray into an adventure is successful. Ooh, I love that's a great question. Whether that be like in game or things you have personally on you. Yeah. Like what are those things? I've got a few. Um, first of all. Honestly, this sounds like the smallest thing, but it is the biggest thing. List of NPC names. I don't no have more. That. I'm bad at that, dude. All you need to do: type up beforehand, just or or write up. Give yourself ten guy names, <laughs> ten girl names, cool fantasy names, and it will it will save you every time, no matter Marcus, what setting you're in. Marcus, can you attest that I'm bad at that? <laughs> do you have problems with it? I, they're just like, okay, what's their name? And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, you're like, oh, uh, uh, well, wait, I, give me a second. Uh, I open my player's handbook. Oh, right, my looking for those names. Seriously, this, like, if you have a DM binder and you have that, I, oh, I have mine, like, taped to the left side of my DM, DM binder. binder. Yeah, yeah which is probably another essential. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe right. number two. But yeah, if you have names, then people say like, oh, what's his name? And you're just holding them in your DM binder and you, you're looking at it and you're like, oh yeah, and name right well, then and there. They think, I mean, it's all about creating that level of immersion. They're like, wow, he really knows everything. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. does not know everything. But not like, me. right, it makes, <laughs> it really helps that level of immersion. Yeah. And I think like, the, it, sometimes it's those little moments like where you're, you're slipping on a name for like 45 seconds that like, then people pull out their phones. People are like, well, and maybe he doesn't know what the next, like, two hours of this campaign are going to be anyway, so why am I invested? Like, yeah. so having those little things um, are super crucial, which I think that is a big one. Um, another one is, like, yeah, having a binder type thing to keep all that stuff together. Um, a third one, a more, like, metaphysical one would be a few really cool, well-developed NPCs. Yeah, um, yeah. I think just a few. Um, you don't need to do, like, you know, create an entire town's worth every of people. Every person in the tavern. Right. Like, nobody wants to, like, walk and sit down next to every person to get, like, 16 story hooks out of, yeah, like, every yeah. random guy. Sometimes you just want a drunk guy at the bar. Sure. But if you are trying to think of some cool characters, like, you, at least in my opinion, I think players really appreciate, like, wow, like the tavern keeper has like a really interesting backstory and they're not just like an angry old gruff man who was at yeah. sea for 30 years and now he came to sell people beer. Like, well, And that's interesting too because I know, had an NPC like in one of the first story hook adventures I did for the campaign I'm running now. Mm -hmm. His name is Tink. He's a he's an, uh, halfling tinkler. Yeah. They were sent to like save his wife from jail so mm -hmm. they can get turned mm -hmm. tail and get the hell out of where they were. Yeah. They did it, but they keep, even now, and we're almost nine months in, they keep coming back to that NPC. Like, yeah. Oh, let's go to Tink's place. Right. They're building rapport, but even then I get to build, like, he at first was just this kind of, like, hapless tinkerer who was just doing what he can. Mm -hmm. Now he's a part of the World Thieves Guild, the Serp, uh, the hmm. Viper's Hand. Yeah. And they're like, well, why did that, oh, yeah, we were gone for a year, we should explore that. Oh, but there's a million right. other things going on. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. Exactly. That'll incorporate it back. I had a... There was a character that I really loved who I made. Um, he was an innkeeper himself, um, but he was very kind of like gregarious. He was very gender fluid, and he yeah. was also um, he had a couple like interesting things. He ran like a, a carnival sideshow in addition to his tavern. So he mm -hmm. like at one point made our characters, our party, go and get like a bunch of exotic like animals to like <laughs> spice up his carnival. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was like, bring the succubi home and blah blah blah, like cool. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he would do that, and he had also, like, this random, like, drink table that you would roll percentile dice on, and 
it was like a table of one to 100 and they had a bunch of different random effects yeah. and people kept coming back to the bar or seeing him in the wild and they were like I want a drink because they wanted to find out these weird effects they, they know would what's get. happening yeah. right so like just a few characters like that I think really make your world unique um, and I'd say the last couple uh, this is a personal preference but I would say just because I like them a lot um, like auxiliary little materials you don't need a lot either but like if you have one drawing like a like even if it's a, you're not a great artist, it doesn't matter. But like a, a sketch of the town that they found, the, um, yeah, yeah. Or, or a note from an NPC that was dropped on the ground, and you hand it to one player yes. in real life, yeah. that kind of stuff. Making it physical. Exactly, yeah. making it feel that way. Um, last thing I would say is probably like a tandem thing. Maybe this is my top six. Sure. Yeah. But uh, super strong, inciting incident. Um, yeah. So something very, very engaging that is relevant to the players. Uh, that makes them want to go on an adventure. Yep. And this is kind of tied in with it, but make the adventure part of your character's background. I mean, I, there have been times where both as a DM and as a player, I feel like I haven't done a good enough job asserting why a certain character should even be engaged in the story well, at all. Well, and even having like characters that are like, I've been a ranger for the last 20 years, protecting them. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're a level one ranger. Right, like, let's, think about that. Let's, like, let's dig into that. Or if you've been a ranger for the last 20 years, why all of a sudden are you going to join a political coup to take down, like, the entire kingdom? I mean, right. you probably want to hunt and get some venison to oh, sell to, like, the butcher. You know, right, yeah. like, so stuff like that. Like, think, you know, just, just dig, take that five minutes to dig that extra step beyond, like, what you know yeah. and, and work to make that. Because as soon as you give characters players at your table individual moments if this person has had a bad pass with love and they meet somebody at a bar and it's an interesting moment that's huge yeah. if you have somebody who has always wanted to be rich and they have an opportunity to do so but they have to kill somebody to do it and they're a good person that's an interesting moment like bringing in those little hooks that are gonna dig into the, who they are as people and make them make tough choices oh, i think is so important 100 percent. no yeah. i i would think i'm in like Complete and total agreement. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like, I hell yeah, I don't have a binder, <laughs> but I have a, I have a OneNote. Yeah, yeah, oh, OneNote the shit. With like uh, NPCs that they've interacted with, session notes for myself. Yep. Kind of general outlines of like plot hooks and like yeah. where the campaign could go from here. Right. Magical items, uh, shit like that. So that's it, you taking notes. That's huge. It's like, hard. It's hard because you want to just be engaged. Yeah. But like, if you remember something from like the first session, and you see it in session nine, you're like, oh, they met a party of bears back then that now came to save them when they came near their cave. Like, oh. well, right, and, and well, it and, just makes it all tie together. Yeah, like when when the party in my campaign went to the Underdark, they saw an NPC that they hadn't seen in like ten sessions. They're like, yeah, oh, we're gonna get you the fuck out of here. Yeah, but then they come out and they realize it's been a year, and they're like, how do we go about it? We don't know if they're alive. We don't know if they're right. Shit, where are they? Yeah. What's going on? And and that's the that's the interesting thing too is like seeing seeing your players eat up moments that you have specifically designed to be like their uh, moment their moment and like not impossible mm -hmm. but but almost world changing to the yeah. narrative and, and see because like my last session with the the group was like they. They were on the cusp of a treaty between the Drow mm -hmm. and the Teleshians, which is the main continent in my campaign, and they they were able to do it. They right. secured a treaty in like twenty minutes, the first twenty minutes of the session. Yeah, and and they made strong cases, and and it ended up working out. But then 
this kind of NPC that in the last batch of sessions, they're like, okay, I don't think this guy is exactly who we think he is. Yeah, this guy doesn't seem so cool. He's an agent of Asmodeus. Mm. He's kind of everywhere and knows everything. And they're like, all right, I don't think he attacks. Oh, wow. Swarm of devils. And they're like, shit. All right, so to see how they navigate it, I, I had a fun thing where, because there are a bunch of uh, people on this council, it's a council of five people that would yeah. you know, make a judgment or whatever, I gave them three of them. And I was like, okay, these guys will go on this, um, the same initiative, or you roll initiative for them. You control this NPC. Nice. And, and Give them ownership yeah, of an yeah. NPC. Yeah, like that's if cool. If you're a moment, you build it. I'm not, I don't want to play as three god-strong NPCs right. that wipe the floor with enemies. If, if that's going to be the case, you guys do it. Yeah. You're in the situation where you can you have full merit over what happened. Oh, heck yeah. That's Whether you decide awesome. to like you know, fight, which they did. Yeah. Mop the floor with everything. Right. But sometimes it's fun. It's like you give – and also that is such a good way to give somebody like a very brief power spike. Oh, yeah. It feels oh, awesome. Yeah. And then you can take it away. Exactly. Because those moments should not be forever. Well, one of them, he's an elven blade singer. Uh-huh. Who had access to a ninth level spell, and I'm like, well, I was just like, he doesn't have a ninth level spell slot for you. And you're like, fuck you, dude. I'm like, well, I can't give you. Yeah, you're like, dude. Okay, talk to me in ten levels. Like, we'll we'll get there. And uh, so they go through the fight. They win. They're able to kill this NPC that well, untrustworthy toward. Yeah. And then Asmodeus himself rises no from the ground. Way. Yeah. He, he, he like as soon as. Uh, Orin is the NPC name. He dies. So the chasm opens. And just a larger-than-life figure, same as Wolf, comes out of the yeah. ground, and they're like, fuck. You're like, fuck, yeah, fuck. this isn't and good. He shrinks down, sits on a throne made of just broken earth. Wow. And he's like, okay, you killed one of my highest-ranking generals. It seems I'm not going to win today. <laughs> now, I've I'm come pre- to bargain. Yeah, I yeah. Pre- I'm prepared to make a deal. Mm. And they're like, okay, what do you have? Being actively skeptical because uh, this is the fucking devil. Yeah. Um, he's like, I Making want... deals with the devil yeah. has historically never gone well. And he's just like, well, my forces against the demons in the abyss are getting very low. Mm. I'm going to need half of the city's population. And I will go back to the Nine Hells and defend your realm from the demons. God. And they're like, they're like, do we sacrifice our city to send <laughs> no. them underground? And they do it. No way. They wow. They make sure to tackle the shitty, corrupt kind of like uh, city watch from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, take them. And I'm like, he's like, <laughs> okay, deal. He does a Thanos snap, and and I describe it as like you just hear dissonant screams, cries for help. People pleading for their lives Fuck. as demons and devils drag them <laughs> into the earth. You made it really visceral. I'm glad oh, 100%. You, you weren't just like, you all made, the bad people went no, away. You made it a choice like, you have consequences. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you right. hear and they're just like, oh, that's heavy. Yeah. And then the mystery of these chromatic dragons and why they exist and why they're here yeah. rears its head now. Oh, wow. Dragons land. What's the kind after of their, mystery? After they're fighting. I'm intrigued. And the, they're working, they're seemingly working with some wizards. Yeah. And the wizard's like, okay. They, they knew to attack at their lowest moment. Yeah. So they're five, red, white, black, blue, green. And these wizards that look kind of 
like we red cloaks, tattoos, blue or black lips, and kind of rotted teeth. Oh wow! And they're like, okay, we're gonna need ten thousand people to secure our efforts with these dragons, and we're gonna need them today, by the end of the day. And they're like, what? We can't drop this population by three fourths in yeah. a day. Um, so Kyle had a character called Kriv, who was a green dragonborn gunslinger. Yeah, yeah. Early in the campaign. Yeah, who uh, was a secret agent of Tiamat. Yeah. Went crazy, went and joined her. Mm-hmm. And his character now is Garak Stonefist, a Goliath pugilist. And he's like, Garza, I have an idea. Walks up to them, he's like, I want to fight him. And points out to his old character. <laughs> and it's like, we're going to 1v1. If you win, you take 10,000 and me. If you lose, you take 5,000 and leave. Oh, shit. And they're just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, because they're like so now, off the floor. Yeah, so now tomorrow's session is going to be this, it's going to start with this 1v1. Oh, for the fate of the yeah. entire continent. For, for, or at least this large yeah, 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 killer yeah. city in it. Wow. So it'll be... See, that, it'll yeah, be that's a wild. really good like build-up to a really great session. Yeah. yeah. And you leave him on a cliffhanger yeah. like that. And they're just like, all right, that's what we're going to pick up next time. Right. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And that's a great fucking example of like characters, players, making the story for you. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's my, my favorite thing. I don't know if you, you came in with like thinking of ways that like ways to solve that, that issue of taking 10,000 people, but what I like to do is... I present a problem like that I've come up with when my bad evil guy is giving them some kind of thing that they have to do that's really hard like that. I never make a solution because you know what I, I mean? Like, like if, only, you are, if yeah. an evil person is in this room with somebody and they want something badly, they're not going to be like, well, the three ways they might give me what I want are. That's, that's why I think as a DM it's, it's – so important to role play your NPCs yeah. or your big bad evil guys or even these like pillars of D&D lore mm-hmm. to their character. Absolutely. As Modius knows that in that moment he's not going to win the fight. Yeah. He's going to make a deal. God That's what he does something. best. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's and, in God. Like, you know, whether he thinks because I don't think he's dumb enough to think that he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He, right. knows, he knows that they think that it's a it's a ploy. Yeah. And he's using that. Yeah. To his advantage. That's yeah. as far as it goes. Right. And then I build out that later. Yeah. Because that's that's the thing that's important to me with storytelling is like, I need to give myself enough time mm-hmm. to build it naturally. Yeah. So if this thing happens, and this this NPC or this character goes away for a bit, I get to plan. Right. Or they haven't even started to deal with the cult of dragons, and we just played our thirtieth session. Yeah. I've had a lot of time to Oh, plan. yeah, you've had a lot of time. So right. It, it, <laughs> it's all like, come to a head. Right. And, yeah. and then, then it comes into, like, we're kind of in the end game now. Yeah, you get that When it that comes point. to, like, okay, a lot, the 90% of the story hooks that I put out there are done. Yeah. Or at least they've started and are nearing their natural conclusion. Right. Let's see where else we can take it. Right, like, how far can we push this? And it's 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 it's, it's the most fun I'm having playing this oh, campaign. Yeah, like, dude. Let's... Fucking push right, it let's go, Dad. Uh, I have a question for you about that. Yeah, Dad. Is <laughs> my son? <laughs> um, I wonder because uh, this this is something I I have an opinion about, but I'm curious to hear yours. Okay. Um, what do you feel about? Uh, do you believe like any time 
that your your big bad evil guy, the, the narrative evil doer of the plot is on stage, like when they are in the room with the characters, just like Asmodeus was there yeah. with all your players, do you believe that the players should always have a chance to kill them? No. No? I don't. Okay. Because Ooh, I disagree. So this is interesting. I I agree in a sense where it's a, it's different. As yeah. Is well, a, you your first big bad evil guy got her head blown well, that, off. But so. but but Asmodeus is a god. Yeah. These he's are, different. These are three, I agree. I agree. There are three level eight players. Yeah. Granted, they have a ninth level spellcaster and a very strong warlock at their back. Yeah. But given, basically, the odds the, are very, very physically right. Hot. Given the time that they put, yeah. and the resources that they build, mm-hmm. they should be able to tackle tackle any encounter I put at them. Yeah. In that instance, no. Right, and as, they could try, but they would lose. He showed in the action of just like sitting on a throne mm-hmm. and being like, "Here's my, here are my terms." Right. He's doing them a favor. Yeah. If they decided to to pick up arms and fight. Okay. Yeah. Like you'll lose. Good luck. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, I guess, even more refined, the question is not not the chance to to always kill. They can always fight them. But yeah, can always fight. Um, because I've I've been in, I ran, I've been surrounded by a lot of campaigns that take a more like they're very real realism grounded, like that Western one where it's just people or or it's people with a couple of extra benefits. So or realistically, things. you should be able to take You're on. right. It's a person. So if there's five people looking down one person and, you know, these five people have guns and there's one bad guy, I, I think a lot of times, I guess, I, I've encountered situations um, or, or DMs where, like, it'll, you'll be in a room with the bad guy yeah. and they will somehow do this, this deus ex machina yeah. thing where, like, they disappeared in a cloud of smoke or, no. or they, they took a rope up the building before you could even jump after them. And, you can do that a little bit to suspend the story, but do, I think you have to walk a very fine hard. line. Like, if I'm running a spellcaster enemy, yeah, and he's trying to use a teleport spell, mm-hmm. and my player character's wizard does mm-hmm. a counterspell and it works, it works. Yeah. It halts them from leaving in that moment, but yeah. this is still an 18th level spellcaster right. who has contingencies. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing is, like, I, when I'm building NPCs, I write two or three pages of a, of a made up scenario in their life hmm, to like build that. out like their psyche, the way mm-hmm. they operate in tense situations, how they handle encounters, things upon that. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, just to know that like when I'm playing that character in a tense moment where I don't have anything planned, mm-hmm. I'm able to make that choice on the fly and feel comfortable about it the next day when I'm thinking about the session I ran. Yeah, absolutely. That's really smart. So, but but yes, I mean theoretically they can fight anybody they want whenever they want. Yeah, it's not always going to go well. Yeah, right, they're not always going to win. I, well, and you had an interesting story about a a character who did that and succeeded. Yes, um, I I definitely had uh, a session where um, in in our Western campaign I had this this character mocked up. He was the the BVVG. It yep. was he was like a, a real gunslinger type, and the whole I wanted to ground it in a lot of, like, people-based conflicts and not, like, a huge, like, you're taking over America. Like, nothing like that. You're gunslingers in the West. So You're going city to city. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so they had an old gang member that they were all affiliated with who had basically stolen all their money, um, excommunicated himself from the gang, and ran. He traded, He was a traitor, and then he, he ran away. 
Um, and at the onset of the campaign, they are like chasing him down on like a, a train, and they knock him off into some water, and a, a bunch of stuff happens, and they are traveling him. And the entire narrative was basically supposed to be uh, this excommunicado group of gang members tracking down their old boss throughout the West and trying Personal. to. Yeah, it was very personal vendetta. Try to get his old fortune that he Hell stole from them. Yeah, yeah. Semper five. Um, <laughs> so they were trying to kill him, and we were we'd maybe been like five, six, seven, eight sessions in. Yeah. Um, it was a decent way into the campaign. Um, at least the beginning third of it or so, and they had tracked him down to this mine. Um, and they traveled all the way down to this mine, and they got to the bottom of it, and there was uh. A bunch of guards down at the bottom of the mine who yeah. who hit him with the butts of their guns, knocked him out, and dragged him on board this train that went through the mine through the tunnel. Um, like a mine shaft. Yeah, it was a mine shaft. And so uh, they all woke up aboard this train in one of the train cars, and they were bound um, to the seats. And BBEG was there. Uh, sure. The, the gang leader was there, and. He was talking to them um, because he'd obviously been chased down there. And he was saying, like, you know, you, you caught me, whatever. I'm, I'm down here at the bottom of this shaft, but I've got you now, and I'm here to bargain. Kind of like, yeah, sure, like sure. a less godly a Asmodeus. Yeah. Right. And he had in his hands, I mean, he had a whole, he had a, a stack of TNT that he was ready to blow, mm. and everybody was bound. Um, and he was talking. And one of the characters who had become the new sort of de facto gang boss he was ready to bargain. They were ready to work out a way to reassert him into the gang, and that was a possible oh, option. So, so, so to avert conflict entirely. Yeah, they were, he was he was saying, you know, if we avert conflict entirely, we can either split the funds and go our own ways, or I rejoin the gang, but I become de facto gang leader now, and I take the majority share of the profits. He was trying to work out a deal because he had been chased ragged throughout the entire West by his old right. gang. So he was like, I'm tired of this. I don't have um, but one of our characters was loyal to a fault to the people that he liked and was a, a good character. And so he really didn't, he, he was not about to take a deal. And so he rolled to try and rip out of his bindings. Um, and he succeeded because he was like a pugilist strongman. Big boy. A big boy. Yeah. And he barreled down the train cart and gang leader sees him coming at him he blows the TNT everywhere sure, I mean, yeah. he explodes the train while it's running and moving down this mine shaft and when everybody comes to um, half the people are blown clean off the train uh, the other half are unconscious and then it's just the strong man and him stuck on these train cars together yeah. and I mean, my, my guy is badly wounded sure. uh, so is he but they are fighting their way down the train and in this moment I was like well He's supposed to be alive for the next 20 sessions, hopefully, but this is a dire scenario. Yeah. And so as he pushes him back to the front of the train, they're fighting, they're shooting each other, they're taking hits and stuff, and my guy is down to nearly no health, yeah. um, and so is his. And so at the very end, at the front of like the train engine, um, they're fighting, and the pugilist knocks the gang leader's gun out of his hand, yeah. and basically beats him and pushes him into like the coal engine fire of the train <laughs> at the front and he's like rad. yeah he's pushing his face in but as he's doing it the gang leader grabs the pugilist too and drags him in as well because he had been failing he failed on some death saves and was barely stabilized so Dude. they were both very very close to dead um and i figured if this is how he has to go it makes I, for a dope ass moment it's a dope moment yeah. and so he did um so 
literally within a third of my campaign, my, the guy I had originally planned to be the big bad evil guy died, but it happened in such a great way, and same with that character's exit from the campaign. Yeah. He died in a really cool way and was happy with how his character exited the campaign. Matter, right? right. Yeah. Didn't matter. And then the campaign naturally progressed to another city where there was a much bigger threat that I had created since, sure. um, and the party kind of formed around it, and it, it immediately made sense, I guess. Yeah, so, everything, I mean, it falls into place. Yeah, exactly, it worked really well. So I think, like, in some instances, it is not the worst thing to kill off your, like, big character if you can find a way to keep the campaign going and make it, you know, natural storyline right. progression. 100%. Yeah. Well, Jack, thank you for taking the time to re-record this. Yes, thank you for having me again. And, uh, and getting it done. I know you got a lot of projects going on, so please... Ooh. Uh, tell the people what you're working on. The people. Uh, is this my shameless plug time? This is your shameless plug time. Shameless plug. Um, burr, 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 burr. I've got a mixtape. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, God, <laughs> my SoundCloud is. Yeah, right. No, this is that's funny because I'm actually in a band. For those people listening, um, listen to my SoundCloud. No, but we are on Spotify, Apple Music. We have got music videos on YouTube. If you like music in addition to D and D, um, please look up the Keystones anywhere you find your music. You may like what you see. Um, otherwise, yeah, keep rocking. Keep playing at your tables. <laughs> keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. Okay. Thank you. Yes, thank you. First off, I wanted to thank Jack for joining me on this episode of Commune. You can find the Keystones Facebook and Instagram in this episode's description. Please go ahead and check them out. My biggest takeaway from this conversation is how important it is to have your players craft the narrative with you. It helps your world feel more alive and natural, and it also lends itself to more gratifying stories and adventures. Lastly, I'd like to encourage you all to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. It really helps out the show and lets me know what y'all think. With that said, I'll see you guys in the next adventure.